and waveform. All right. Love it. I'm Robbie McDonald. And I'm Jordan Lee. We're two writers who've been friends for 15 years. Recently, we both discovered we have the shared experience of figuring out we have ADHD in midlife. Holy Shit, I Have ADHD is a platform for adults discovering their neurodivergence, as well as a way to spread awareness of ADHD. This is a podcast about ADHD, hosted by two people with ADHD. While each episode has a general theme, our meandering trains of thought mean we often cover several other themes in the process. We are not experts, simply two people sharing their experiences of discovering their ADHD in midlife. If you suspect you or someone you know may have ADHD, speaking to a medical professional should be part of your discovery journey. my friend i feel like i haven't seen you in a long time i know it's been like a couple weeks here i'm doing well um i'm i'm a little bit if if i start yawning uh it's because i've just like my sleep cycle has just been so out of whack lately and i've had uh a bunch Mm. of like 2 a.m 3 a.m nights lately um oh boy and uh well you know it's, it's one of these things where it's like you you have a late night and then you try to have like a little bit of a nap because you're like so exhausted the next day and then you do the like fall asleep at 605 wake up at 130 thing or whatever <laughs> at least that's how it's been for me and uh and yeah so it's just been kind of hard to get out of that but um all all of that is I'm, I'm setting up a very long runway to say that I like literally crawl out of bed like five minutes ago so <laughs> Well, good morning then. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Do you have coffee and your meds and I, something to eat? I have taken my meds. I've got uh, some some herbal tea, uh, some cold herbal tea in a bottle here, um, but mm. uh, but no coffee yet, so that's okay. And mm. your coffee there, your mug says, I am fucking full of inner wisdom. Isn't that genius? Yeah, it's, I think it's a Vancouver artist that, uh, yeah, I have like the, I have... The magnet on my fridge, I have the mug, and I have the t-shirt, so I'm fully branded with fucking inner wisdom. And I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the person's name. If I find it, I'll put it in the show notes. Right. But yeah, they're, they're so delightful. And is is it a, an, an effect of the lens, or is that a very big mug? Um, It's rather a large mug, I would say, yes. Yeah, yeah it looks is, big. This, yeah, um, it has a little chip in it, so it's no longer my favorite mug. Um, I have another one, but um, that one's dirty. <laughs> well, so, well, we're using this one today. <laughs> I have uh, my favorite mug with me here as well, which I think is, it's funny because it's something that um, I've laughed about this comic since I was a kid because it's one of the funniest all-time comics, I think. But um, it's also mm-hmm. like kind of ADHD when you think about it. But uh, I don't know if you remember this Far Side strip with the uh, Midvale School for the Gifted. Where he's uh, pushing on a door with a clearly marked pull sign, and that to me is just like that. That is so much of my life in a nutshell. Is just like, oh, it's this really, really smart person who you know, like, uh, you know, praised by so many people in my life for being so smart, and then just like unable to make the most basic observations about the world around them sometimes when they're like incredibly mm. obvious, but capable of you know, like, interesting insights into other areas. So. Oh, goodness. Yeah, the door thing. I can't tell you how many times I've done that. Pushing, pulling. Um, and I remember at our old place at the Rise, we had just come back from some trip and I was exhausted. And and we had ordered uh, takeout. We had sushi or something like that. And it was a, a sliding screen door. And I was so exhausted and so like focused on just getting some food in my body that I just like I walked into the screen door, but then I just like kept going through the screen door and so she was flying everywhere. And I was just like, open the fucking door. What are you doing? <laughs> it was just like so many times. Um, and usually it's like when I'm trying to be kind of cool and poised too, right? Totally. And then <laughs> somebody will say like, that's not how you do that. And I'll be like mortified can't figure out the fundamentals of just getting around in the world cool completely Um, yeah so uh yeah you look good you look refreshed how was your trip uh well it's interesting because the recovery the last two days has been what's refreshed me Mm. not necessarily the trip itself so um there's a couple different things that happened there so i'd say overall it was really good uh it's a beautiful beautiful place um outside of uh whistler above Alice Lake, gorgeous, gorgeous scenery. 
Um, but I, I made a few mistakes mm. <laughs> um, before going in the sense that I've been taking um, a hormone treatment um, to kind of get me through this sort of menopausal transition I'm in. Mm-hmm. And uh, the patches that I'm taking kept falling off. So oh. um, they, I, I burned through the prescription sooner than I should have because uh, they just I couldn't get them to stay on. They just right. wouldn't, no matter where I put them. And so I had tried to get in to see my family doctor, but she had to go on an early maternity leave. Uh, she had, you know, she's probably been under a lot of stress as a doctor this last year, so totally understandable. So um, her locum, her kind of replacement doctor, wasn't going to be in place until the end of August. So there was this gap where there was just no chance of seeing anybody at the clinic at all. So I thought, well, you know what? I'll just go in the retreat and it'll be fine. <laughs> And that was mistake number one, um, because uh, without that very low dose of the estrogen and the and the progesterone, um, I can't sleep. Mm, mm. So uh, I didn't sleep. Um, well, I slept, but like three, four hour kind of um, snatches of, of rest. Um, and so that was um, something that really kind of it struck me when I got back and <laughs> that I, I, there I was in this place where, you know, I'm, you know, supposed to be kind of like blissed out and meditating and in nature and it's really quiet and I don't have to wear my hearing aids if I don't want to, unless I go outside because there's bears. But, um, <laughs> you know, like it was, I was so anxious and unsettled and um, jumpy. Um, and I didn't drink coffee for most of, even though I had coffee with me, I realized that was maybe contributing to it. So I was drinking herbal tea um, and I managed to get a bit of sleep on like, I think the second or third night and take a hike up to the lookout point, which is quite challenging, but really good for me to do that. Uh, but it just made me realize like, I'm just at this point in my life where it's really not wise for me to just try to like go out on my own, especially after I've been in, been on a medical treatment for several months now, that's actually working for me and helping me sleep uh, to just kind of go with that. So when I got back, and this is a bit of a long story. So first of all, coming back, I decided instead of taking a lift home, I'm just going to hop on the 14 in downtown Vancouver because that's where the bus back from Whistler brought me. Not thinking about what downtown Vancouver is like. Downtown Vancouver is a very busy place. It's a very frenetic place. It's where all the ads and stores are that make you feel shitty about yourself. <laughs> um, and so I was just like, oh, this is great. So you know, walking past Nordstrom and all the things that I can't afford right now and whatever, and then got on the wrong bus, um, had to get off that bus, get on another bus, and the anxiety of seeing people on the bus. Um, but everyone was wearing a mask, and that was good, and it wasn't too busy. But I was sitting in a, in a this is classic ADHD, I was so exhausted. I, I took my meds that day, but my meds don't work if I haven't slept. That's just how, how it is, I guess. So I'm sitting on this bus and I have a single seat, so I'm really stoked. I don't have to be near anybody. And I have my little carry-on suitcase on wheels sitting beside me. And we stop somewhere and I look and there's like a balcony and it's got flowers on it. So I'm like, that's the prettiest thing ever. And I'm like totally enchanted with this balcony. And then I hear this like, bang and then I realized that my suitcase had like just like rattled because I had let go of my suitcase in my enchantment with the balcony flowers and this just went like rolling off and like slammed into the side of the bus nobody seemed to be aware of it but me and and then I get up and I'm like lurching around because the bus is moving and I grab my suitcase and I like put it into another like I got into one like the double seats and just kind of put it against the thing and wedged it in there and hung on to it for the next six stops until I got off the bus and I, you know, fucked up my arm and everything. And I was just like, God, I can't even like get through a bus trip. Like if, like, if I haven't slept properly, I just like right. can't pay attention to what is like kind of imperative. Um, and I should have just taken a lift home and that would have been the wise choice. Um, but there's more to the story. Um, but I don't know if I should keep telling that because it's, yeah. But yeah, well, we don't have anything later. scheduled today, but uh, you know, so so feel free to keep feel free to keep going if you want. Since we're uh, we're in 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 light of an or excuse me, not in light in lieu of an actual topic of discussion. <laughs> um, yeah, just all the ways that it can be rough moving through the world sometimes. But um, so yeah, so I got home and I was frazzled, and as well, I was like. Yeah, this is not the energy I was expecting from you after a yeah. retreat because I was just like, blah, 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 and really hyper-focused on the Dharma. I wanted to talk about the Dharma, and I had some insights about that, which were great, which I'll share later. Um, 
But then I realized I had to get to see a doctor because I was like, okay, the reason I'm not sleeping and the reason my stomach is upset is because I'm like def- really estrogen deficient, which is right. what my doctor already knew. So I was like, okay, going to get to a walk-in clinic. So I, there's one on Broadway not far from us. So I'm like, cool, I'll just go to Maple. They open at nine. I'll be like, you know, one of the first in line. There's 40 people in the lineup outside. Wow. There, because I think it's one of the clinics where they were doing second vaccinations. So, okay, cool. I'll just stay calm. It's already like 30 degrees. I have my hat. I have my sunscreen. I have water. I'm going to go to the one on Granville, which is another 20-minute walk away. No problem. So I walk over there, and I'm like, oh, my God, there's nobody outside. This is exciting. And then I get in there, and um, I can't understand her um, because just the, the tone of her voice, the mask, the plexiglass, nothing. And she's saying things to me and it's not landing. I'm both not physically able to hear and then sensory processing. So I, for the the first time in a long time, self-advocated enough to say, can you please write that down? And then she just wrote on a sticky note, I'm at capacity. And I was like, it's nine (laughs) o'clock. And she was like, oh, the clinic opens at six. If you want to see a doctor here, you need to get here at 6 a.m. And I was like, holy mother of, so, you know, the tears are welling up, the wobbly, like underneath my mask, I'm already crying. Uh, so I leave and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go home, regroup, go to the bathroom, look up clinics online that are taking patients. And then I look up MetaMap and I find this one that it says, just call and we'll do like a telephone appointment. So I call and she's really lovely. And she's like, so would you like to see a doctor at 1130? I'm like, yes, please. Why didn't I do this to begin with instead of running around the west side of Vancouver? At any rate, she... Um, <laughs> She hooks me up and the doctor, you know, gets on, calls me. We have a conversation. I tell her where I'm at. She's like, oh, there's another kind of estrogen that you can take that's like twice a week. The smaller patch, it doesn't fall off. Let's try that. Boom. Get my prescription filled the next, that afternoon. And within like, this is day three, I already feel better. And they're staying on. They're different. They're like a small little patch. Yeah. They, they don't get all like gnarly and tarry and... You know, for women out there that are listening in menopause, I know it's a thing. I've been hearing quite a bit about it. The patches, the most commonly prescribed patch won't stay on. It leaves like gross black marks all over your body. And this one, this Estradot, is like, I love it so far. So so that's my story so far about the retreat. And we'll touch on other parts of that later. But um, I realized like how important it is for me to just kind of stick with what's working and not try to hot dog it and do it on yeah. myself. Yeah. That's smart. Um, I yeah. think also it was interesting you were saying like, why why didn't I do this in the first place of like just getting mm. on the phone and kind of calling around? And I think that, that a lot of that is, is for me, I find myself in similar situations all the time where basically the correct, no, not correct, the course of action that might make the most sense and the course of action that maybe more neurotypical people take would be like, okay, here's the problem and, you know, I want to solve it. And so like, let's figure out that list of things that we can do and kind of like vet that and look at which one makes more sense for me and and how do I do this and what time is the best time to do this and blah, blah, blah. And then I feel like for us, it's just like, okay, I have a problem and then whatever it is that comes off the top of your head as a way to solve it, let's execute on that right now. Like, there's never a planning <laughs> mode. It's always like, okay, we've arrived on a possible solution. Let's execute on that solution and and just, like, go. And, and that's, like, yeah, for me, just totally classic of just, you know, um, maybe you're worried that you're going to forget the problem and it's going to gonna go another six weeks or whatever if you don't solve it right at the second mm-hmm. you remember it. Maybe you're worried about informational overwhelm, trying to kind of like figure out the planning aspect of it and, and, and you know, vet different methods, def- different approaches to tackling the same issue. And so mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, no, I've, I've arrived at something. And so let's just like jump after this. And for me, that would be totally the same thing as just like, you know, um, there, there's a million ways that, so, so let's say that I broke a keyboard or something. Um, mm-hmm. the, a keyboard is something that any number of people have, you know, four or five of them sitting around in their house from, mm-hmm. you know, years of buying computers and the computer dies, but you feel weird throwing out the peripherals or whatever. And so it's just like, <laughs> if my keyboard, if my keyboard dies, there is no way that I should ever need to buy a new keyboard. Like I should be able to just, mm. you know, 
put put send a message out, you know, put something on Facebook and be like, hey, who's got a keyboard sitting around that that they can give me? And somebody will have a USB keyboard sitting around to give me. But mm. my immediate solution is always like, just get in the car, go off to London Drugs, buy mm-hmm. some like you know like like what I've got here, this fucking uh, like light up <laughs> RGB hundred and fifty dollar gamer keyboard that it's just like well that's the only ones that we have because you know who's out here buying a keyboard anymore <laughs> and so yeah it's it's just one of these things where I spend way more money um, finding these these solutions that aren't necessarily like mm. the optimal ones because I don't take the time to figure out what the quote best or most logical kind of course of action would be for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I don't, yeah. How many times I've done that spent unnecessary money and even like things that are in a drawer as Valdo has pointed that out a lot lately. He's like, do you really, yeah. or don't we already have that? I think we already have that. Don't you? Oh, you wait, brought that yeah. up with the uh, Bluetooth headphones. I think last episode. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like I don't need that. And, but it is like, it's this kind of solution mentality. It's a kind of like conditioned consumer response to buying things is considered a solution. Right. Um, and I'm trying to kind of untrain a lot of that, uh, thinking, uh, uh, that was a big part of the retreat for me was realizing that, you know, I may have kind of not answered that question fully a couple episodes ago when you said, why do you say you no longer identify as a Buddhist? I think it's more that I identify as a student of the Dharma. And that makes sense to me. Um, and that doesn't have any dogmatic association with it. And in fact, some of the, the books that I was reading while I was on retreat spoke to that pretty eloquently, that the Buddha never said he wanted people to be Buddhists. But it, it wasn't never about a religion, per se. Um, but it was about like following the Eightfold Path, the Four Noble Truths, like um, being a student of the Dharma, always kind of thinking of things through the mind of a beginner, being willing to learn, being willing to change your mind, being in the present moment, all those things. And so that was really helpful to me because that gave me that, that was the clarity that came afterwards. And what I was saying is that I've, I realize now that it's not that I've disassociated completely from all those ideas. It's just that now I just see it as a, as a way of viewing the world um, that, that aligns with me and my values and that I can continually uh, be on a quest to learn more about that without necessarily being within an organization. And then it doesn't mean that I won't find find a, a, a sangha, which is the, you know, the word they use for Buddhist communities. Um, it you don't have to necessarily be a Buddhist community. You can be any kind of community and be a sangha. It just means community, right? right. Holding, holding space. And so um, that, that was really nice to come to that, uh, even, even in all the insomnia and stomach upset and <clears throat> realizing I forgot two of my meals and uh, mm. there's nowhere to get food there. Like it, you're kind of isolated. And I was like, oh, okay, so... This is a familiar feeling of like, you know, when I was young and my parents went through some, some tough patches financially and not having enough to eat. So, um, I, I know how to ration, right? So it was like, okay, so I have all this pasta, so I'm just going to make this pasta last for four days. And I did. And I literally ran out of food like the last night and I had enough cereal in the morning to get me through until I got back. And I was like, okay, cool. But it was like, I didn't panic. That was nice. Um, have you heard of this idea that folks with ADHD, this was on ADD mag, which I've been kind of hit and miss with lately, but right. um, that people with ADHD are really good in crisis situations. We end up being really calm sometimes. Yeah, and I actually wonder if that's um, maybe more, maybe you can broaden that out to neurodivergent people more generally. Um, mm. I've got... Uh, a couple of friends who are like high anxiety. I have a friend with BPD and both of them have, have talked about that very specific thing of, of when the shit hits the fan, they're the ones who are in like totally calm mode and helping out and blah, 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 and able to deal with that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I kind of, I wonder about that um, for myself because I, I feel like I, would collapse in a crisis situation. I don't feel like mm. I would be that that calm eye of the storm kind of helping and and figuring things out. I feel like um just because you know it, there there's such um when you feel like you have trouble kind of 
surmounting what are fairly everyday problems or should be like kind of quote unquote basic tasks. It's hard to conceive your conceive of myself as as being able to like rise to the occasion in a situation mm. that called for it like that. But you know, on the other hand, um like I literally saved my friend's life performing the Heimlich maneuver when he started choking at my wow. house one day. Um and so it's just like, you know, I, I have evidence to the contrary that's like, okay, no, you, you took the first aid courses and when the shit hit the fan, you were able to kind of like figure out what was going on and, and do the right thing. But, you know, for some reason I won't, I won't allow myself to like own that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and I think like the way I'm kind of looking at it too, is that there have been crisis situations where I have indeed crumbled, but they were often when, um, I may have been in a group situation where it wasn't where I wasn't seen as being capable or I didn't see myself as being capable, so I didn't necessarily rise to a challenge. Um, but in situations where I felt like um, I was valued or that um, that it mattered, that I definitely could rise to that. Um, and yeah, that's a really good point because I, I did feel like when I got home that I hadn't, I hadn't coped well, but in fact, I had coped incredibly well. And I did know at the bottom of my heart that, you know, there's people that volunteers that live at the retreat center that if I were truly hungry and desperate, like I had their phone number, I could have called them and asked for the yeah. beans or something. They would have given it to me. Um, but um, I, I can definitely think of times when, like, when I have been the calm presence when other people were swirling. Uh, and... It's, it's interesting because even at the beginning of the pandemic of my former job, I was, in fact, one of the calm people writing a lot of crisis communications, creating a lot of content, putting a lot of things out while people were like freaking out in meetings all day. Um, and that that I feel like um, even in retrospect, um, I was actually doing an excellent job at that time. And, there, and a lot of people did point to that, that I was calm. Um so that, that's an interesting thing to kind of entertain. But, like, I sometimes do find, like, with, and this isn't to diss ADD Meg or anything like that, but sometimes, like, some of their articles, I'm like, oh, brother. Like, they're just so, um, they lack nuance sometimes. It's just, like, everybody's just, like, everybody that writes these are, not everybody, I'm, I'm generalizing, but some of the people that write these articles have a very firm idea of what the ADHD experience is, and it doesn't vary for them. It's just always the same kind of formulaic sort of, like, it's this and this and this, and then there's a subhead, and I, I, yeah. I'm, anybody from ADD Mag listening, we love you, and you, you helped me a lot. But like sometimes it just like, yeah, doesn't quite land for me. What's interesting for me there is um, that that kind of universalization of um, ADHD experiences is really interesting. It's something that I've seen other people refer to as kind of like. Um, lie is too strong of a word, but maybe a misunderstanding of what of what neurodivergence means. Um, mm. Because it's like it's it's there's kind of this idea you you get this mental model in your head of neurotypical and neurodiverse, and it's it's two buckets that um, mm. you know uh, that, that that people can be kind of thrown into. The implication being, of course, that all neurotypical people's experiences are the same and all neurodivergent people's experiences are the same. And of course, <laughs> that's just wildly untrue for for both, right? Yeah. Like and and so it's like you you get this idea of like, oh, well, of course people aren't a monolith. That would be crazy. They're two monoliths. <laughs> and it's like, well, no, hang on. That's that's equally silly, isn't it? Like there there's mm. such a such a a broad and, and diverse um uh, uh, array of experiences that people kind of go through in the world that um, I think mm -hmm. that that yeah you you again that's we've talked about this before but just like that's that's the uh, the the tough part about generalizing is is you want to um, be able to apply your own personal experiences uh, or or at least you know let, uh, uh, communicate them. To, to help other people recognize themselves and and to feel like they're not alone and feel like, oh, these things I'm going through are actually super common. But then you also don't want to generalize and, and be like, oh, well, the, the way that I see the world is in fact like 
the only way or or this is a mm. thing that applies to all people who are like me but you know uh i don't know it it just seems like really kind of short-sighted um yeah yeah and i i think you're you're spot on there that there is a sincere desire to to provide people with some really valid information um but yeah i think that some some things can get outdated and you know like we've talked about before especially on twitter which is whatever these days we'll get to that <laughs> in a second but um that you know there's these different factions that have different ideas of how things are meant to be and you know, and I, I follow Devin Price's work a lot because I find them to be incredibly insightful and they have autism themselves um, and they're writing a book right now. And a big part of what they're exploring is the differences and the similarities between ADHD and autism. And they posted a meme the other day that just like hit me. And it was just about how autism is considered like the good worker disorder and ADHD is considered the bad worker disorder and how fucked up that is um and how wrong um and how you you know you're putting these people into these buckets and just saying oh yeah we we definitely want like you know somebody on the spectrum who can like code like like a wild person and just like make everything magical but we don't want the adhd person because they'll just always be late and that's just nonsense it's just not true right um but i'm really looking forward to the next books because laziness does not exist has been huge for me um but yeah uh twitter what did they do, Jordan? What did they do to the font? <laughs> well, oh my God, the font thing. Um, okay, so yeah, I I I think you faved it, so I think you saw it. I posted something. Um, uh, Frankie, uh, what is her? I can't remember her Twitter name right now. She does uh, that podcast, Propagated Pod, about uh, about oh, Human Houseplant is her at. Mm. Um, so yeah, she was she was she's a designer and uh, and a neurodivergent divergent person and was talking about um the changes to the font and yeah i i posted something in there because what the biggest thing for me was i felt like i felt like my eye was bouncing mm. every time i would look at it it was, it was just like it was just kind of going up and down and up and down and up and down mm. and when i really kind of tried to look at the font and what was was doing that for me um i i posted about it basically there's like there's kind of the, the the baseline established by characters like N, M, uh, whatever R, where there is like a flat um, horizontal surface on the bottom. So that creates a line where you would expect the kind of baseline of the writing to be. So to ter put it in like you know handwriting analogies. You're, you're going to always be linking the bottoms of those letters to the blue line on a ruled sheet of paper, right? Mm -hmm. And so the way that most people then learn to write is, okay, you, you line up your, your flat parts with the line that you're writing on, and then you also line up the bottoms of your round parts on the line that you're writing on. Um, you, you know, you draw your O so that the bottom of the O is touching the baseline, and generally the character height lines up with your M's and N's. They're supposed to be all about the same height, those three. Mm -hmm. um, but then what this font does, and apparently... This is something that's exacerbated by the small size that Twitter displays it at on mobile. Is it has just a slight dip in these these rounded characters. Um, so mm. the O's, the U's, S's, all these kinds of things, they fall just slightly below the baseline. So they actually there is a little bit of overhang. It, it, that's the typographic term for it. I learned um, is is these round characters do actually hang over the line a little bit. And again, that's that's what makes your eye bounce up and down is because if you've got a couple of letters in a row that aren't hanging and then one that dips below and then it goes right back up. Like if you if you look at a word like mom spelled out in that font where it's like flat baseline dip letter flat baseline, you can actually see like it, it, it looks to me like a chevron at the bottom almost like the, the, wow. the dip is that noticeable to my eye for some reason. Um, so yeah, I think I'm not going to say that I'm, well, I know I will say that I'm used to it. I've definitely like, I've accepted it. I don't like it, but yeah, that was like a really, really jarring, irritating thing to kind of like, why, what was wrong with the old one? Like, what is, what is the use case that this is solving this new font? Mm. Uh, that's a really good question. And like, what I was wondering is, did they even bother to beta test it with neurodivergent people? Probably not. Or maybe they did and they just didn't listen. I don't know. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, 
I hadn't been on it for a few days and then I came back and I was like, okay, I'm already feeling kind of weird anyway because I feel physically crappy. Is that me? Is it me or is it the font? And then I realized when I saw your post and a few other people talking about it that that it that it is indeed the font and um it's just really yeah i i don't know if the like maybe it makes people more addicted somehow because they keep looking and rubbing their eyes and like trying to get to it i don't know um but <laughs> like after a couple of days of that i was like yeah whatever um i you know i existed off twitter for a long time i can probably do it again i'm kind of at this crossroads right now and i'm not making a decision yet but i feel like uh Tuesdays are my Twitter free day. I just block it completely. I took the app right off my phone. I'm like, oh, fuck it. I don't need this while I'm on retreat. Too tempting. Um, and and I I feel like the, the crises of the world, whichever one, there are so many going on right now, whatever atrocity, whatever. I mean, BC is on fire. We're in a state of emergency. My sister is driving out. They're leaving Ontario tomorrow to drive out for her to go to school. Uh, the coca is closed. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was talking to her yesterday, and my mom suggested that they, they're going to whip through Calgary and visit my older brother, and she suggested they go down to the number three highway, um, yeah. try that. Because traditionally, uh, driving from Ontario to Alberta or BC, what, what we would do is go down through the states. Yeah. The borders aren't open. Um, her passport's expired anyway. So uh, they have to go through the fire basically to get here. And it's just like, um, really distressing. But at the same time, when I talked to her yesterday, she's, she's, she's good. They're going to be okay. Um, but yeah. So Twitter, anytime I open it, it's just like, now what? Like, it, it, and I know that social media and general media and mass media or whatever you want to call it. I know that the goal is to keep people riveted. Um, so it will always be the mo- the worst of humanity that's, you know, being fed out through things. And I've talked about that. I can talk about that till I'm blue in the face. But, <laughs> you know, the, the fact is, like, I just, I know I need to kind of what the Buddhists call guard my sense doors and just, like, mm. uh, do what I can to be well enough to contribute uh, what what is sustainable and meaningful for me in the world and helping people and being of service. Um, and it's hard for me to do that when I'm absolutely paralyzed with despair. Uh, so um, for me, that I just... I'm just going to, I may just leave the Twitter account up for a little while and then just not access it to see how it goes, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, or maybe just look at our holy shit Twitter because it's fun. <laughs> Definitely. Know? Although I feel like, I feel like I should be, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I want to be doing more with that account, mm. um, you know, because it's like, we've got a lot of people listening to the podcast, but not that much, uh, not not that many people following us or engaging with us on Twitter, but that's because neither of us are really on that account engaging <laughs> with other people or posting content of our own, right? Um, yeah. I tend to do all of that from my own account and then, you know, like pick up a few follows here and there uh, for the podcast that way. Mm. But yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I just don't know what that would look like. Like, what, mm. um, what, what do I have besides this podcast to offer the ADHD Twitter space? Because there is yeah. so there, there are so many people who are already making threads about all this stuff. There are so many people who are already doing really great infographics, um, mm-hmm. you know, doing lots of great writing and all that kind of stuff. And so we've kind of found our our little niche here in the audio world. And so I'm like, hmm, how do we like either kind of extend that brand or do we even want to do that? Like, is it right. something where let's let's just kind of let this thing kind of organically grow on its own as it will and and, you know, we leave the the ADHD Twitter to the ADHD Twitter people that already have 12,000 followers. <laughs> yeah. And I think maybe that's the other thing with Twitter, too. I always feel a little bit insignificant when I log in there, right? But, I mean, I do learn from some people as well. So, And that was why I went back to it, to find information. I was really, right. really hungry for, for knowledge. Um but now what it's what it's what's happened is even though I've muted a lot of triggering kind of hashtags, so that it just gets in there anyway. Um, yeah. And and something that um, you know the how is it the oatmeal? You know that comic, the oatmeal. Sure. He's a really funny guy, right? So he posted something not long ago about the fact that he got 
he got an ad on Facebook and he's got, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers he's built up over the years. This stuff's really funny. Um, he has his own website and he has for a number of years. And then, you know, he, you know, along with a lot of other people, like developed social media followings, built communities and whatever. And then he gets this note from Facebook saying, you could reach a hundred thousand more followers for $2,000 or whatever. And he was like, um, but I already have those followers. So you're basically telling me I, they won't see anything that I do unless I give you money, right? Like he was just like, this is just such a grift. You know, like I built this community. These people are here to see what I'm offering. And you're telling yeah. me I have to pay you for them to see it. So that's, you know, the same is true for um, for Twitter. I know that uh, Joel Bacon, who's like the co-director of the corporation, um, Twitter wasn't allowing him to reach audience like they weren't they weren't Sorry. allowing the um you know the movie the corporation i was just gonna say you mean the movie the corporation not yeah. the twitter corporation yeah. that's right so the movie yeah. the corporation um when i worked with good pitch a couple of years ago they were one of the people that were involved in that really great amazing film the second one just came out oh okay uh, this last year and twitter was not allowing them to buy ads telling him that he had to use organic reach even though they were acknowledging that there is no organic reach anymore. And so right. he's suing he's suing them because, wow. because a lot of the new documentary talks about, you know, the addictive nature of social media, like what it's doing and how it's enriching all those at the top and, uh, and causing a lot of harm. And so, you know, Twitter's like, sorry, you can't, you can't buy ads or you can't, or they wouldn't let the marketing team do certain things and they were deleting things or whatever. So he's taking them to court and he's a lawyer. So yeah. um, I, I really relish to find out what will happen there. Because, um, yeah, he's also a pretty great guitar player, um, I remember, from some of the events. But, yeah, it's interesting to to look at it that way, too. It's just like, okay, so social media is supposed to be where you find and develop audiences and help more people know about your stuff. But if they're actively blocking people from seeing what you do, then it seems a bit futile. <laughs> like, yeah. And, you know. Sorry, go ahead. No, that, that's, that's, I guess that's it. <laughs> oh, it just, I, I find that incredibly frustrating for a number of reasons. Um, I haven't noticed it so much with Twitter because I just always use it to late, set it to latest. Um, and then it fucking jumps you back into home oh, every once in a while and you got to do that. Anyway, Facebook is a <laughs> bajillion times worse. I don't know. I, I could, I could, if I logged on to Facebook right now at 12.04 p.m. on August 17th mm. and hit F5 and refreshed all day and read all of the posts that I could possibly see, I know, I know that when I logged in two days from now on August 19th, I would then see something that my friend had posted from today that just was not being served to me. And mm -hmm. more often than not, it's because it's not native content. It's anytime anybody posts something with a link uh, to an outside site, um, some mm -hmm. sort of uh, a thing to another page, uh, something to even to Facebook's native events. When people post these native events, um, they... If, if they don't buy the ad reach, you're not going to see that shit until it's irrelevant. And it's just mm -hmm. like, you know, it, it, it's just it's just so crazy to me that I cannot, you know, get onto this site to see what my friends are up to in a way that's that's timely. Like if somebody posts at, about their show and, and says like, you know, hey, I've got this this show happening tonight at blah, blah, blah. I'll see that that post two days later. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's mm. like I so a friend of mine passed away recently um, mm. and I was at his celebration of life on Friday, uh, which was really great. And, you know, there was there was a hundred or more people there um, and they were live streaming it as well. And I didn't see the live stream link until yesterday pop up on my feed. Mm. And, you know, there was like four four reacts or whatever on it which indicates to me that they were they were just literally not serving this content to anyone mm -hmm. like they were they were not pushing this content out because it was a a link to a site and and a stream that was out that was taking place outside of Facebook's walled garden so they're like fuck you we're not going to serve this and then it's like this this is literally like People want to want to be able to tune in and see this. This this person mm -hmm. had friends from all over the world, big member of the music community and stuff. And like, you know, um, it it's just 
it's like, well, what's what is the fucking point of any of this shit then? Yeah. Like, if if I can't if I can't post something to to reach people in a timely way without paying all this money, even for you know the live stream of of a friend's celebration of life, like that's 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 tragic in in multiple ways. It's yeah. disgusting. It is disgusting, and um, I'm so greedy, you know. Yeah. Um, that. It just makes me so sad that, you know, these platforms are supposed to be places where you could coalesce and gather and like people that wouldn't feel safe going in person should be able to access it through a live stream, but not on, not on the death app. And you, you know, my feelings around Facebook, I've been, of course. I haven't been on it for a number of years, but like, I just think that that is like the worst of the worst. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I, I, you know, I get, I, I took a screenshot of it the other day because there is absolutely nothing in my uh, likes or groups on there or any sort of the content that I engage with on Facebook that would indicate that I have right wing politics of any stripe, which of course I don't. But mm. yeah, like I got a, I got a promoted uh, post for Ben Shapiro's show the other day on Facebook, hey, and it's just Lord. like, what the fuck, man? Like uh, this is again, like. This this is just kind of people talk about this all the time with YouTube as well, where the kind of logged out baseline version of it is insanely right wing. And so, like, you mm. know, if you are showing up to YouTube as a new user for the first time, it's just like, oh, I'm going to like, you know, I, I went to YouTube to look up how to use a socket wrench. And now I'm watching videos about, you know, the great replacement theory or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I noticed that with YouTube, too. I get uh because sometimes like, the other day I had like Buddha Zen music or whatever, but then it's like uh, it's like even I don't know what happened with Russell Brand. He's gone down some kind of rabbit hole. Yeah. Like he just kind of like the government blah blah blah, blah and he's just like oh, and I'm like, wow, dude. Like even like two years ago, I used to like listening to him. Like he would actually you know have some interesting guests and like, but now he's just I don't know what's going on there. But um, yeah. So there's there's that, and then you know there'll be a few ADHD things sprinkled in there, but. I, I'm very aware that a lot of misinformation, This people are calling it the misinformation age because that's just all the social media. They will take anybody's money to promote their content. So, right. um, you know, we're going into a federal election and we're going to start seeing all kinds of things now. So I may just like, I may just like not use Twitter again till October. I don't know. We'll see. Or maybe just use the, maybe just think about how we can um, use the, right. holy shit, I have ADHD Twitter account um, more more intentionally, but you know, for the for the most part, I just feel like it just it's just so easy to despair. Um, mm-hmm. lo- looking at these things, and I really need to um, get better. Like I I feel like the last almost month I've just been kind of ill on and off again, off again. And and my therapist was saying like, because I was like, man, I just really feel like I need to get some rest. He's like, rest is like when you're at baseline. You need to physically recover. You like mm, you're you've mm. been sick. You've had this E. coli thing. You haven't been sleeping. The estrogen, um, and then you know the anxiety of not having enough to eat. All those things contributed to me just feeling really really lousy. Um, I need to get to a point where I'm actually at baseline before I even talk about like just right. like straight up resting. So the only way I'm going to be able to do that is if I'm taking enough care of myself not to look at the things that are going to make me feel. Um, that kind of despair and 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 it's funny because I know that LinkedIn's doing it now too LinkedIn just looks like Facebook now and so (laughs) it used to be really valuable to me I don't know why they messed it all up money I guess but um you know it just last few times I've logged in same thing people that I usually see a lot of their content I don't see it or things that I know are quite relevant and that should have a number of interactions with them will have like four and I'll be like yeah what's going on here like usually this person like uh, has really valid things to say, but because it's a link off site, right? And like that's what what I used to do quite a bit on LinkedIn was share really valuable articles that I found meaningful that I thought other people might find helpful. And now when I do that, and it's just like nobody sees them because they want me to write like a thought leader article with like double spaced yes. blah, blah blah blah, and then at the end say thoughts question mark like fuck. Could you like the formula is just so tedious to me? I just don't want to do it, you know. Or they want people to do what you and I are kind of dancing around figuring out whether we're going to do or not, which is, 
do you take the same piece of content and instead of putting an article on your blog and linking that article on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram, do you in fact take that article and make that a native piece of content on mm. those respective platforms, which of course is, is what they want to do because they want to keep the ad dollar eyes captive on there. Right. Well, I guess we're going to be doing a lot of copying and pasting in our future, then, Jordan. Good times on social media. Or, or we can look at the steadily rising numbers for something we have basically done next to no promo on and mm. say, is promo even worth it? Is promo is promo the big lie? Is there a promo industrial complex? <laughs> I like that. Promo <laughs> industrial complex. Right up there with the nonprofit industrial complex. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, um, cool. So I was, I was curious about something, uh, going back to your kind of retreat there for a second, I was talking, I, I was visited a friend about, uh, I guess about two weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was telling me about her and her partner a number of years ago went on a, uh, Vipassana retreat. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that? Very familiar. In fact, when I first moved to Vancouver, I was going to do the one that I think is outside of Merritt. Is that the one they went to? Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I think they went, there's one, like I want to say on somewhere around the Alberta Saskatchewan border, oh, okay. I feel like was the one that they mentioned. But yeah, she mm-hmm. said that there's a number of them and did mention the Merritt one. Yeah, because that's, that's, Merritt is kind of near Hope, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, because I made a joke about First Blood. <laughs> like, if only if only Rambo had gone to the Vipassana, maybe things would have ended differently. But <laughs> Yeah, I think that's one. Um, and I've heard a lot of mixed um, vibes on that. I had actually signed up to go on one when I had first moved to Vancouver, and I realized I wasn't stable enough to be able to mm. uh, cope with, the, with it. Um, so it, I guess it really depends on where you're at in a sensory um, way, because... Uh, they will have um, broadcasted um, like over speakers, like what you're supposed to be doing. And for me, um, that would be really, really tough because I have A, the hearing loss, but then B, the sensory processing. And I'm so sensitive to noise. So uh, if I can't escape the noise, then I would, I think it would be really difficult. And the other thing that somebody had told me, somebody from the recovery community that they had gone to one, and that the, um, I don't know, I don't think that they're, um, they're priests or lamas or anything like that, but they were um, kind of insisting that he supplicate to them. Mm, and he mm. was like, no, I'm cool. Like, I'm not here to supplicate to you. Like, um, and so I think it really depends on, on where you're at and, right. um, and, and how much knowledge you have and, and, and how cool you are with being in silence around a lot of strangers. Um, because that is that is what it is. Yeah, that's the meat and potatoes of it, and that's that's what sounded interesting to me. Is like, oh, I wonder if I could like shut the fuck up for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really depends. Like, like Jordan, if you felt like you could um, handle that, like for me, I would probably take uh, any kind of um, passing expression on someone's face, super personally, or as a rejection, mm-hmm. or ruminate on that the whole time I was on the cushion. Um, because I'm, I'm, uh, a little bit resistant to authority. If somebody was telling me I had to do things a certain way, I probably wouldn't be able to do that. Um, but there are so many different ways. And this is the thing that I think is really important when it comes to the Dharma and meditation. There's so many different ways to hold that. And so many, um, uh, yeah, there's just a, like a lot of different ways you could do it. You could go on a retreat by yourself, like the sea to sky where I went. That's like, I went like the minimum amount of time. Most people go for a week, two weeks. There were uh, two people renting the cabins. Uh, they were staying for a month. Uh, and they're in silence the whole time. Um, wow. And, I, you know, for people that are further along their path, their spiritual path, uh, it makes a lot of sense. As Valda wants to go and do it for a longer time next time, I would probably do that with a better, being better prepared. Um, but, yeah, is this something you think you're going to try? I have no idea. It's just, this is just literally uh, something I heard about and the idea intrigued me and it's been rattling around in my head and I just keep kind of forgetting to just like take the time and look it up. But then of course, talking to you about, about your retreat kind of jogged that memory. And I was like, you know, I bet Robbie's, if she hasn't done this, has at least looked at it before. Cause this kind of seems like up your alley. So yeah. Yeah. I had signed up for it, but then I realized I wasn't in the right space for it. And then from what I've heard, and people that, you know, I know through the Triratna Sangha have gone and, 
and everyone has their own experience, you know. Um, and it really depends on, on how grounded and well you feel, I think, um, physically, emotionally, mentally, because it is, it is um, really intense to not speak yeah. for a period of time, to be told through loudspeakers and have music playing that you have no control over the external environment whatsoever. I think you have to share a dorm room, something like that. Like those are things I wouldn't be able to cope with. I just, I'm sharing bathrooms for me at this point in my life is just not okay. So um, I just realized I'm, I'm just kind of more at peace with that now. So, you know, something like where I went, the Sea to Sky retreat, you know, I was in a solo retreat cabin. So I had this lovely little cabin with a beautiful deck and a view of the, of the lake and my own washroom and kitchen. And that was great. Yeah. It sounds wonderful. Yeah. Um, it gets so dark at night though. It was amazing. Like you cannot see, like it's like a wall of darkness and I could hear things kind of scurrying around outside. So I was like, yeah, no. And there's a lot of bears in the area. So they, they have this actual walking stick. It's a ski pole, which was fun. I should have taken a picture of it. The ski pole with like these bells attached to it. So you're making noise constantly right. while you're walking around. And I just kind of felt like this sort of like, kooky old lady walking through the woods with this ting ching 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 but it was yeah it was cool it's somehow very fellowship of the ring almost yes like this kind of this kind of walking stick with these ornamental bells on the top yeah i felt like gandalf yeah yeah but but not not without the wizard powers um but yeah it was it was it was really great i'm sorry i'm like getting too far away from the microphone that's okay um but yeah i just saw though you've got your uh your BGLK shirt today, your guard your yes shirt on. That's right. Yeah. Black girl lost keys. Yes. Uh, feeling that very much guarding my yes, guarding my attention, guarding, um, my health and my well-being. So, um, yeah, it's interesting that today we just kind of decided to just sort of catch up a little bit, talk about meditation, wellness, the perils of social media, the greediness of social media empires. That one is just, uh, Yeah. There's always something to talk about, you know, and that's, uh, you know, I, I say this a lot as an improviser, but um, if you if you get along with the person that you're doing stuff with, you don't have to worry about what's going to come out because it'll always be good. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like that approach, actually. You know, and you know what I was um, noticing, too, on our on our anchor dashboard? Mm. Yes, we're I um, do know. We're almost at 15,000 streams. Mm-hmm unreal like i just think that's amazing you know um for such a short period of time so hi everybody (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm sure we'll uh we'll do another uh uh maybe we'll wait till 20 for the next one so it feels like a little bit a little bit more special a little bit more staggered you know i just oh i'm just bored of of celebrating every time we get five thousand plays it's old hat i'm so (laughs) over it at this point (laughs) There's just so many people listening to me. How can I be bothered to acknowledge it? Ugh. Okay. No pictures, please. Keep the paparazzi at the curb. We're trying to enjoy our vegan sushi. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's really great. It's it's really awesome. And this is some, a big highlight of my week, too, when we get to have these conversations. And then when we hear from people that are really um, learning and, and identifying uh, with uh, with our stories, too, that's amazing. Um, and I, I, I sent you an article about that I saw on the CBC. It was a documentary about she's a conductor who has ADHD. And I've heard her on CBC. I've heard her name. Uh, so I'm going to reach out to them and uh, see if maybe they want to come and talk to us. We'll see. Um, but I, I like that people have been uh, making art of their experience, telling the story of their experience is so important. You know? Yeah, I haven't, uh, I forgot to read that when it got in. I was busy the last couple of days, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I actually have something to send along to you too. Uh, so I'll, I'll take care of that after the show's done. But um, this mm. is just a good reminder. So I wrote it down. <laughs> yeah, because I am kind of coming online more now and I'm, you know, trying to get kind of back into doing work slowly but surely, you know. Uh, got some things coming up this week, some actual work. So that's good, a little nice. bit here and there. And and I feel like um, I read something, I've been reading Jen Pasteloff's book called On Being Human, which is just incredible. Um, and I'll talk more about it maybe another time. But she talks about being a writer that's not writing. And she went through years of working as a, as a waitress. Uh, and I totally identify because I did that for 15 years too. But I feel like that's what's been my, my truth for the last little while, a writer not writing. I've just been trying to survive a pandemic grieve a career heartbreak 
I figure out this ADHD shit, figure out my hearing stuff. And it's just been a lot, but maybe I'm coming to the point where I can start putting words on the page in a meaningful way again. Yeah. It's funny because I think about the same thing every time I listen to the intro for the podcast because it's like, we're two writers, so blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and in the back of my head, I'm like, motherfucker, you haven't written a thing since February. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know, right? Like, there's, there's, and, and, that, and that's been something that like, it's been really hard for me not to kick myself about that because mm. again, we're, we're all going through this shit. I'm definitely still in like recovery mode to some degree, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But you know, so much of, of, of what I beat myself up about is like, I'm a writer who doesn't write. I'm a performer who doesn't perform. Mm. I'm a musician who doesn't make music like blah, 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 blah. And it, and it just feels like, you know, it, it just feels like the classic, like, wasted potential narrative that mm. we and people around us have been telling our, us for our entire lives. So it's it's just mm. it, it's frustrating and I'm recognizing that kind of like um yeah that 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 tendency to self-flagellation and trying to kind of get out of that. Um yeah. but you know what would make me feel even better than reminding myself that you don't necessarily have to always be writing to be a writer would be just to get some writing done. I bet that would feel really great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, right? Just just actually put some stuff on the page, um, whatever that is. And, um, you know, when you were talking about how fonts and stuff and, like, kind of connecting to the lines and everything, I realized that mm-hmm. when I'm writing, like, in my journal and stuff, I don't do that. Like, it's all over the place. Like, I can't even read my own writing unless I'm determined to write something that I actually want to be able to access later. Um, but, yeah, I do that all the time. Um, but just uh, sitting in front of the computer and just getting some stuff out, I think would be a really good idea. Um, yeah, really important. So, you know, as, as we were, like, we just kind of like, and what's, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. What am I trying to say? Not this too shall pass. It's some platitude. So maybe I'm just not going to say it. Never mind. (laughs) But you know, it's just like everything's, nothing is permanent. I guess maybe that's what I'm trying to say. So these, these kind of fallow states that we've both been in are, I think, perfectly legitimate just because of all the different things happening in both of our lives. Um, and it's okay to identify as a writer just because you haven't had a byline lately or haven't written anything significant doesn't mean you're not still a writer, right? Um, right. And that is one of the things that I'm taking from her book. You know, like it took her 14 years of working as a waitress in Los Angeles before she um, started writing again, doing things that actually made sense for her and her life. And she's an, an, an incredible job of it. But um, yeah, I remind myself of that all the time. You know, it's okay to be a writer who's not writing. And people that are kind of like hard ass about it, that's cool. You know, if you need to be hard ass and like, that's your journey. Like as my old roommate Bevan used to say in a sarcastic way, that's your journey. Okay. (laughs) All right, dude. Okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like not beat ourselves up about it and just like do what what needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Because ultimately that's counterproductive, right? Yeah. 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 And I don't know anybody who hasn't struggled this year. I don't know anybody who's having a really great time, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think they're, well, unless you own one of these awful corporations that are causing harm and then you're fucking off to space every five minutes. Maybe those guys are having fun, <laughs> but not at all. You know what? I don't <laughs> think they are either. Like if, if there's so much fun to have here on earth that if you're, if you feel like you've completely exhausted the well of potential experiences to where like you got to get off to space and not even real space, suborbital space. Right. Like let's, let's be real here. It's not, he didn't even go to space and it's Poser just like, you know, space. like I, I can just, I can think of so many more interesting and fun ways to use my time and my billions of dollars than going to space. But that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently one of those dudes has ADHD. I didn't know that. Richard Branson. Uh, oh, okay. The no, I didn't Virgin know that music either. guy. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's that's another one of those kind of um, you were talking before about, uh, uh, you know, ADHD people, the generalization being like good under pressure or whatever. Um, You know, that's another one I saw is that apparently ADHD is something like 300 percent more likely to be entrepreneurs. Yeah. Yeah. Partly because not being able to handle hierarchies unless you're at the top of them. And I'm definitely one of those people. And I realize that now. I'm just like, no, no, no. If I don't totally respect and admire everything you're doing, I'm not doing that. Forget it. <laughs> um, but the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is I, I, I reached this level of peace in terms of my old job one mm. while I was at the retreat that 
really, it really became clear for me yesterday as I was, as I was out for a walk. And I realized what made it so hard for me is that I was in an environment that was hostile to difference and that systemic mm. and structural. So a lot of these institutions that are, that are kind of larger in scope, they are hostile to difference because they need that kind of assimilation in order to function the way that they have traditionally functioned. They don't have a lot of interest in varying from that. So when I look at it that way, it just gives me so much peace because then it's not personal. And it, right. and it means that um, those organizations are causing harm because they are not diversifying in, in, in a really meaningful, legitimate way. Um, and they will continue to cause harm until they really take a look at themselves. But that is not my failing. Right. Like I went in there with a lot of dazzling ideas and they were more or less like bullied out of me. Um, and I don't need to take that anymore. I don't need to hold that as my, as my fault anymore. Yeah. And that just gave me so much peace. I was just like, oh yeah, there are these like certain institutions and corporations that function in that way where it's, um, you're either with us or against us and that's it. Yeah. Um, and, and they, they can't tolerate, uh, the discomfort of actually changing the way that they do things. But there are a lot of organizations out there that have looked at that and they are aiming to do that. And they're starting from that place. And those are the kinds of folks I want to work with, like people that are doing educational design, people that are looking at accessibility from the jump, people that are valuing different opinions instead of just assimilating and trying to be like everybody else. Like we're not the Borg. Okay. It's not Star Trek. Like you don't have to assimilate or die. Like, and that just, I just wanted to kind of put that in there because I felt like I exhaled for the first time in a year, realizing that. Just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Not my stuff to carry. Yeah. Yeah, that's – um. It, it's I'm, – I'm really glad to hear that, uh, that, that you've kind of come to that place with it. And I think that there's mm. – um, I think that there's a valuable analogy in like in, – in just talking about systemic problems in the first place. And a big one that you always see with like when people talk about, about policing and the problems with policing is like, oh, well, if policing is so bad, why don't you uh, become a cop and just like be a good cop and, and, you know, like change, change the policing. And it's like, well, cause that's not how it works. Like mm -hmm. people have to, you, you have to build the institution with these values in mind. Like you're talking about it's, it's, it's next to impossible to, back engineer the or, or or change the course of something even with the best of intentions as as a cog in that machine and you and i've talked before about like um you know the maybe futility of of trying to kind of change things from the inside i just don't think that that's that that's never how it works out. The the the, mm. the good apple never makes it, it, the good apple in the barrel never makes the rest of them not have worms anymore. It mm -hmm. just fucking goes bad itself. <laughs> like right, yeah, and it will do whatever it takes to protect itself. You know, like yes, here in Vancouver, like the mayor was saying, he could no longer support the VPD because of the systemic racism. And of course, there's all this outrage and they're out there raising money now to get more tanks or whatever the hell they feel like they need right. to like police addicted people on the downtown east side, which is fucked up. But um, yeah, so and I and I have been hearing about what's happening in Calgary with the Alex Dunn protests and Taylor um, McNally McNally. Yeah, because I've been following her and I'm really just so sorry that happened to her. But, you know, it just yeah, it's messed up. Um, and there are people who. Uh, are really being traumatized and suffering and being mistreated because of it. But you're right, yeah, that it needs to be um, addressed. And yeah, it's uh, it's sad to think of organizations that that come across as being virtuous that are in fact just causing so much harm by sticking to the old institutional ways that are rooted in these sort of colonial, exploitive, harmful, racist ways yeah just awful and that's me losing my voice which is usually around the hour mark that that <laughs> happens so yay Robbie <laughs> well we are indeed at uh, at one minute uh, or one hour two minutes excuse me and change here mm. um so I guess before we wrap up um I just wanted to say thank you again to Dave Jill Paige and Brianna our 
patrons over on patreon.com. Hmm. You can go and uh, check that out at patreon.com slash holy shit I have ADHD. There is a, uh, a, a recording of each episode there and as of last week we've got transcripts up now. Um, so going forward there's going to be a transcript for each episode for people who, uh, you know, I, I don't know Robbie, hmm. do you know anyone in your life who can't hear that well and would maybe benefit from more podcasts having transcripts? Um, myself actually uh, and <laughs> Uh, a lot of people, maybe even Jen Pastelov, who, whose book I'm reading right now, she's uh, functionally deaf. Um, and so it's not just uh, deaf folks who benefit from those transcripts. It's also people on the spectrum and uh, people with ADHD. Uh, like, it's nice for me to be able to see the words after hearing them or to sometimes mm-hmm. read along. I do that with On Being sometimes. I mean, I have captions. I don't have them turned on today, but I have captions uh, sometimes that, you know, run through my Mac and whatever. But right. um, creating, I'm so so grateful that you've done that, Jordan, that you've taken the time to be able to do that because I know it's super time consuming, um, but it is a really valuable um, piece to have uh, to have those transcripts for people because even if you want to, hey, like quote us on your blog or maybe just copy and paste the whole thing and put it on your LinkedIn page. <laughs> some <laughs> yeah, make some native content for us. <laughs> <laughs> just, just joking. But yeah, if there's things like, and I think it would be helpful for me too, because I don't like hearing the sound of my own voice. Maybe it'd be better, easier for me to just read the transcripts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, and, and on that note, we're go- you and I are going to have to discuss this offline, but we'll have mm-hmm. to figure out a way to uh, present them a little bit better. Because right now it's just, a, it's just a doc file attached to the blog post on Patreon, mm-hmm. which works. But, you know, we could be getting a lot more mileage out of that stuff in terms of SEO and blah, blah, blah. So we'll have to figure out something with a standalone site at some point, I think. Okay. Ugh, labor. Oh, see how hard we work? so thank you again uh dave jill Paige, and brianna and uh thank you everyone who's listened to the show and uh checked it out so far and yeah um robbie do you have anything else you wanted to talk about this week no i just i just really appreciate everyone who's listening and uh thanks for holding space for us in your in your ears and minds and hearts we appreciate it and now with transcriptions you can read it too that's awesome Yay. Yeah, and it's uh, if if you wanted an um uh well you know like kind of free experience, the transcript also offers that it's uh, condensed for clarity and and things. Uh, let's just say that we we sound a lot more eloquent on the page than we do uh, recorded sometimes. Oh wow, that's amazing. Okay, glad to hear that. Cool. Okay, and now I can feel really fancy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess I will talk to you next week then, my friend, if, uh, if not sooner. Okay. Sounds good. I'm going to stop recording. Bye. If you enjoyed Holy Shit, I Have ADHD, subscribing to and reviewing it on your podcast platform of choice helps more neurodivergent folks find us, as does following and promoting the show on social media. A full list of platforms is on our Anchor page at uh, anchor.fm forward slash holy shit, I have ADHD. While you're there, why not leave us a voicemail? You can also share your thoughts on this episode or your own ADHD experiences with us at, you guessed it, holy shit, I have ADHD at gmail.com or via our social media pages in the episode notes. Bye for now and hyper focus on the positive. <laughs>